Welcome to another episode of I Knew to Ruling, a golf podcast. My name is Doug Hoffman. For those of you who don't know me or have not listened previously, I am the Director of Rules and Competitions for the Minnesota Golf Association, a PGA Master Professional, and the 2019 Minnesota Section PGA Golf Professional of the Year. I'm glad you are with me. The purpose of this podcast is to provide valuable information on the rules that all golfers should know. Obviously, the level of golf one plays, be it social or highly competitive, includes playing by the rules. I understand many simply want the joy of having time in nature, with friends, enjoying each other's company, and sometimes the challenge that golf provides. Yet the rules are key, and the better one knows them, they will have an advantage. This podcast is designed to take the rules and break them down into easy-to-follow segments, each lasting about 10 minutes. By keeping each podcast shorter, it allows you, the listener, to better absorb and process the information. I feel listening to more, shorter episodes allows you to really understand the information before moving forward. This episode continues the series we started in the last episode, covering a section of the rules that many will never read, much less know they even exist. Unless, of course, they find themselves in a ruling that goes beyond the basic rules found in the main text. What I am talking about is not found in any of the printed versions of the rules of golf. Not yet, anyhow. These are the clarifications. Within the rules, we have interpretations which are the same as the old decisions. These provide additional information about the application of rules that are not clear simply by reading or following the rule itself. However, when the new modernized rules and interpretations were published, it became clear that some rules needed additional explanation. Thus, we have clarifications. Currently, these are found only on the USGA or RNA websites. They are not part of any publications, as I previously mentioned. They are easy to find, though. If you go to the rules homepage of either website, you will find a link to these and the ability to print them. Clarifications are added to the rules quarterly. Currently, there are 26 clarifications, ranging from Rule 1 to Rule 24, and include both definitions as well as model local rules. Many were created for golf at the highest level, or maybe I should say, because of golf at the highest level. Yes, as you might expect, some of the most challenging scenarios come from the worldwide tours. As we discuss the clarifications, I will mention most of them. I strongly encourage you to take the time and effort to become familiar with these, whether you are in a position of playing the game competitively, coaching, or officiating in any capacity, whether that be a national or regional championship, or as a club administrator or professional at your local course. Hopefully, you listen to the first episode, as I will be reviewing the remainder of the clarifications in this episode. The first few I will cover frequently deal with players at higher levels of competition, as opposed to golfers with higher handicaps. The first deals with green reading materials, covered under Rule 4.3. Those are the books you see PGA Tour players and their caddies constantly reviewing. These are more detailed than a typical yardage book in that they provide a topographical map of the green and show the different breaks and levels of severity. This clarification outlines what is and is not permitted in the green books, such as the scale limit and physical size of the book. These restrictions apply to handmade and electronic versions, as well as the printed variety. 
This clarification also prohibits the use of alignment devices when marking the location of the golf ball. You may have noticed in the 2020 Masters, players were not allowed to use the normal greens books. The committee adopted a local rule prohibiting their use. The second clarification I wish to mention deals with the caddy assisting the player in lining up in preparation for making a stroke and is covered under Rule 10.2b-4. This has been a problem for years and years. The first prohibition came in 1976 rules, likely as a result of Johnny Miller having his caddy be immediately behind him while he putted. This prohibition was limited to the putting green only. Then, in 2000, partly due to comments made by Annika Sorenstam, the prohibition was extended to all shots, regardless of the ball's location. However, there remained an issue of caddies assisting the players in lining up for the stroke. The new rules of 2019 have extended the prohibition to when the player begins taking a stance for the stroke. While the situation is relatively easy to understand, especially when explained verbally, it can remain confusing, especially as to the exact point where the line is crossed and a breach occurs. I am not going to go into the details, but encourage you to read it yourself. However, the most important point with which to leave you is that the player always has the opportunity to eliminate any doubt simply by stepping out of the stance and restart the process. And under Rule 24.4b, this process of intentionally standing behind the player, whether or not assisting the player in lining up, also applies to an advice giver, such as a team captain or coach. Another clarification deals with the term that has become rather common on the tours and on television called backstopping. This is when one player intentionally leaves his or her ball near the hole in such a position that it might sit, assist another player. In the rules revision of 2019, and by the adoption of a clarification for Rule 15.3 in January of 2020, players have been put on notice that such action is not allowed. While no penalty is attached to this clarification, it strengthens Rule 15.3a and puts the burden on the players to recognize when such a situation may exist and that it is their responsibility to keep it from happening. There are three definitions that have clarifications. The first is club length. You might wonder why there is a need for a clarification for the term club length. After all, the definition tells us that it is the longest club in the player's bag other than the putter. Interestingly though, is in partner forms of play, such as four ball or foursome, it is either partner's longest club. So if I use a 48 inch driver and your longest club is your three wood, you can use my driver to measure, such as measuring the teeing area or the size of a relief area. Speaking of relief area, we have a clarification that tells us when a ball is in or out of a relief area. It's very simple, except for one caveat. Essentially, a ball is in a relief area as long as it touches the relief area, similar to what is used to determine if a ball is in a penalty area. The caveat is if any part of the ball is closer to the hole than the reference point. In this case, the ball is not in the relief area and the player must proceed accordingly. The last definition with a clarification is flagstick. This clarification was added in January 2020. 
before the USGA and RNA made any COVID-19 local rules. This allows for attachments to the flagstick as long as they are more than three inches below the putting green surface. Now think about the rest of 2020 and what we did to minimize touch points and limit how far the ball could go into the hole. Thus, it is permissible to keep that one inch pool noodle resting on the bottom of the flagstick even after we have moved away from COVID-19 rules. These next and last three clarifications I will mention deal with model local rules. The clarifications the fact that these model local rules have been added. What is critical to understand is that without these local rules in place, the player must follow the rule as it is written. The first is model local rule E12 and deals with playing from outside the relief area when dropping back on the line. Generally, as we discussed, a ball is in a relief area unless any part of the ball is in front of the reference point. What model local rule E12 says is that the player will not be penalized if he or she plays the ball from that position in front of the reference point, as long as it has not rolled more than one club length from where it first struck the course after being dropped. But it also does not mandate the player play that ball. The player may elect to redrop under Rule 14.3c2. I must stress this is for back on the line relief only. The next model local rule, G9, deals with the replacement of a club that is broken or significantly damaged. Under Rule 4.1b3, if a club becomes broken or significantly damaged, the player may continue to use it or have it repaired or restored, but may not replace it. Model local rule G9, if adopted, allows the player to replace the club as long as the damage was not caused by abuse. As you can expect, this likely was suggested by the tour. In early 2019 and back-to-back -back weeks, both Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods caused damage to one of their clubs during normal swings and would not have been able to replace it had they desired to do so. And lastly, with regard to this and modern equipment, the exception to this states a club face or club head is not broken or significantly damaged solely because it is cracked. Well, that concludes this episode of I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast. I hope you have enjoyed this show. Come back soon for another episode. I encourage you to continue your study of the rules by visiting both the USGA and RNA rules pages. There is a treasure trove of information that will help you become more rules literate, no matter your knowledge level, and quizzes that will test that knowledge. Be sure to check out the USGA short courses too. I'll also give a shout out to Brian Oswald at the Oswald Academy for the work he has done to promote rules education he has many things to assist you in your learning path. Check them out at golfrules.com. For those of you who are interested, registration is open for the 2021 USGA Rules of Golf Workshops. They will be held virtually from January through March. Get all of the details at usga.org rules. I look forward to having you listen to another show, and don't forget to listen to past shows. Be sure to pass along the link to your fellow golfers and rules friends. You can find I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast, on all of your favorite podcast sites. Until then, play well and have fun.